You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Hey, I'm so glad you're tuning back in this evening. And boy, do I have a great word. If you were listening this morning, what God brings out of isolation, part one, powerful. Well, tonight... Uh, We're going to stay on that theme, what God brings out of isolation, part two. So come with me in the Scriptures, in your Bibles, to the book of Judges, chapter 6. We're going to be reading from verse 11. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under a terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiziorite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in a winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And then it says, and then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all these miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? And now the Lord has forsaken us and has delivered us into the hand of Midian. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So let me just pray and we'll get into this. Father, I thank you right now for your word. I ask, Lord God, that that you would speak through your servant, that this would be a word in season for these magnificent people in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You know, the story goes on that Gideon then brings out an offering to to the angel of the Lord and then the angel of the Lord goes up in the offering and he realizes, oh my God, is God, I'm going to die. And then God says to him, you're not going to die, but I have an instruction for you. I want you to tear down the altar of Baal and the Asherah pole that is beside it that your father has set up in his house. I want you to take the young bull, the young bull of seven years, and I want you to tear it down. And God says, and then you're going to go and you're going to be a warrior. And the Bible says that Gideon goes and he tears down that altar, you know, cuts it into pieces, but he does it at night because he feared the men of the city. The next morning when they woke up, the men said, who tore down the altar of Baal and who did? So that meant that his father had influence. Believe it or not, the, the generational sins of our forefathers, the generational sins or the, the idols that we have in our lives actually influence the thinking of our community, the thinking of our families, the thinking of our tribes, the thinking of the people around us. When they woke up the next morning, they said, who did this? He must die. He tore down what was sacred. He tore down the altar of Baal. But all of a sudden, Joash, Gideon's daddy coming out of the cloud, says, well, hang on a minute. If Baal is really a God, then let him plead his own cause. And from that day on, they changed the name of Gideon to Jerob Baal, which means let Baal plead or literally let the devil plead, let the devil beg for his own life. Gideon goes on to become an incredible warrior, an incredible military leader, pushing back the, the Midianites, pushing back and ending years and years of oppression, of theft, of stealing, turning Israel from idols and idolatry back to the Lord, the one true God. But all of this happens 
with Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press. Did you see that in verse 11? It says, Gideon was hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat in a wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. See, here is Gideon in self-isolation. And I want to show you four things that God brings out of a self-isolating person. And this is a word for you and I right now because you may be cooped up in your home. You may be trapped in your home. Like you need to understand you can't properly thresh wheat in a wine press. It's not created to thresh wheat. It's created to crush grapes. So already there's a level of dysfunction. And you know you're going crazy right now because if you live any longer cooped up in your house, you're going to murder somebody because you are cooped up. You're not meant to live in that limited, that small, that confined place, a place that is dysfunctional. It is dysfunctional because it's meant to crush grapes, but he's trying to thresh wheat. To thresh wheat properly, you need a barn where you can open the door so the wind can blow because when you thresh wheat, you take the kernel, the grain away from the skin, the chaff. The chaff is that light, fluffy shell that the wind blows away so that all you have left is the pure grain that you're now able to crush and turn into flour so you can bake bread. And so Gideon is, is, is threshing wheat in a wine press where there is no, there is no breeze. There's, there's nothing coming there. His vision right now is, is a limited vision because he's in a wine press hiding. His vision right now is for himself. He's not thinking of the nation. He's not thinking of his family. He's not thinking of his tribe. He's just sick and tired of the Midianites coming in every year and stealing from him. Listen, right now you are in isolation and the enemy wants you to know that outside of your isolation, outside of your house, outside of your home, there is an enemy, there is a pestilence, there is a plunderer, there is a thief, there is, a, there is an enemy coming to steal your livelihood, your money, your sustenance, your crops, your produce. There is an enemy coming to steal all of those things. And so you're hiding in a wine press. It's amazing how the Bible has been here before. The Bible knows where you live. And today I want to tell you how to get out of your wine press. I want to tell you how to get out. The first thing the angel does in this season of isolation, in this moment of isolation, this time of isolation for Gideon, is the, the angel comes to him and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Gideon sure didn't feel like a mighty man of valor. In fact, he looked more like a wuss. He's threshing wheat in a wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Nothing about his activity says warrior. Nothing about his actions says warrior. Nothing about his predicament says warrior. In fact, nothing about his history up until that moment says warrior. I want you to understand that destiny is so powerful because Gideon didn't go out of the wine press so much as he grows out of the wine press. And the way that he grew out of a wine press mentality was the angel of the Lord came to him with a revelation that you are a mighty man of valor. Well, we know Gideon says, well, come on, man, that's, that can't be true. You know, you say that God is with us, then look at everything that's happened. God isn't with us. He's forsaken us. Where are all these miracles which our fathers told us about? Nevertheless, Gideon couldn't escape from the fact that God saw something in him 
that he didn't see in himself. See, let me just tell you this, that quite often our surroundings are a reflection of how we feel about ourselves. Gideon had a wine press mentality, so he's hiding in a wine press. Your external world is always a product of your internal world. Your external world is a reflection of your internal thinking. If you think you're a failure, if you think you're a weakling, if you think you're no good, if you think you're second best, if you think you're less than, if you believe that you're trash, whatever you believe about you, listen to me right now. The two greatest revelations that a human being can have is number one, your revelation of God. Your revelation of God. Who you believe God is, is the most important revelation in your life. But second to it, closely linked to it, is your revelation of who you think you are. Your identity. Who do you think you are? When, when Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am in Matthew 16? Well, they pipe back and they say, well, some say that you're Elijah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist risen, one of the prophets. He's like, okay, close, no cigar. Who do you say that I, the son of man, am? Peter pipes up and goes, oh, oh, I know this one. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, wow, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Because flesh and blood hath not revealed this. Because can I tell you, flesh and blood cannot reveal this. You will never discover who you are from asking the popular opinion of men. If the blind lead the blind, will they not both fall into a ditch? You cannot go to the world. You cannot even go to the community. And sadly, your family don't even know who you are. His mama and papa named him Simon Reed. Simon, son of Jonah, was his birth name. Jesus says, you wouldn't know who I I was from taking a consensus. You wouldn't know who I was unless it was revealed to you by my Father in heaven because true identity only comes from heaven. Friend, can I just encourage you? Whatever you believe about yourself, if it is incongruent with the Word of God, if it is not in an amen agreement with what the Bible says about you, friend, you are wrong. Throw out that wrong conception, that wrong perception. It is a lie. You are not junk. You are not an accident. You are not no good. You are not born in the wrong body. You are not the wrong gender. You are not a mistake. You are not a loser. You are not... You are who God says you are. Don't live down to what the world says. Live up to what God says. So Jesus says to him, Simon, son of Jonah, blessed are you because flesh and blood has not revealed this. Flesh and blood cannot reveal this. But I say to you that you are Peter. He changes his name. As soon as Peter saw who Jesus was, who God was, God now becomes a mirror shining back and showing Peter who he is. You were born Simon, but let me tell you, boy, you ain't no reed, you're a rock. And on this rock, I'm gonna build my church on your fastidious, on your steadfastness, on your devotion, on your consecration. One day you'll die a martyr for me, but you won't move, you won't recant, you won't quit. You'd rather die than give up what you believe to be true. You're gonna be a rock, your name is Peter. You know, in the ancient times, they used to to navigate 
the seven seas, the oceans of the world, but they didn't do it by looking to the seas and they didn't do it by looking at the clouds or the rising and the setting of the sun. They would have got frightfully lost. You know how they did it? They looked to the stars. They followed the stars. The stars, the constellations was their navigation. Why is that? Because the stars are fixed. They are fixed. When you and I look to the world to navigate the tumultuous and turbulent waters of trying to figure out our identity, our purpose, our destiny, we're going to get so lost. We're going to get so discombobulated. But if you look to heaven, let heaven lead and let heaven guide you. One of my favorite movies is The Gladiator. Gladiator is the story of uh, Maximus, who is serving as a general in the Roman uh, army, and he is serving Marcus Aurelius. Well, Marcus Aurelius is murdered by his son, Commodus, and Commodus seeks to take the throne. But he realizes that, that uh, Maximus is a threat to the throne. So what does he do? He has Maximus arrested to be executed and his wife and children murdered and his house and estate burnt down and given away. The Bible says that, that, that Maximus becomes a slave. The, gladiator, uh, the, the general who became a slave, the slave who became a gladiator, the gladiator who defied an empire. There's a, see, there's a scene in the movie where Commodus's sister, frightful, not able to sleep because of the insanity and the, 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 the drive of her brother to wipe out and sniff out anybody that would be a threat because of his own insecurity, frightened of his own shadows at night and the torment. So she comes and she visits Maximus in the prison and she says, you got to do something. You got to do something. And Maximus says, do something. Look at me. I'm a slave. What possible difference can I make? She says, I knew a man once, a noble man, a general. See, his circumstances said he was a slave. His station said he was a slave who was brought out to fight as a gladiator. But she said, what I see on the inside is you're still that noble man. You're still that general. You're still a man of honor. Can I tell you, you may be in a dead end job. You may be in a dead end street. You may be in a dead end station. Your life may not look how it wants to look right now. Your, your life may be inside of a wine press confinement, limited vision. God's got bigger for you. You don't go out, you grow out. Allow in this season for God to begin to show you in His Word who you are. And friends, you'll never know who you are until you discover whose you are. So the first thing that God brings out of a season of isolation is your identity. The second thing that God brings is your purpose. The second thing that God wants to bring, He says to Gideon, you mighty man of valor, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? In other words, you're an apostle. You're a sent one. But not only are you a sent one, you are sent to be a saver. You are sent to be a rescuer. You are sent to be a deliverer. Instead of 
instead of just woe is me, because that's where his, his initial conversation is, woe is me, life is cruel, life is unfair, complain, 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 whine, whine, whine. The angel says, son, the reason you're doing that is because you're not looking outside of your limited view. You're not looking outside of a victim mentality. You're not looking outside of a wine press mentality. But if you will lift your eyes, I am calling you because as soon as you begin to discover your identity, you'll begin to discover your destiny. Identity and destiny are two sides of the same coin. The devil will work harder than anything else in your life and in my life to rob you of discovering your identity. He doesn't want you to know who you are because he knows if you discover who you are, then you'll discover why you are. God says to Moses, you're going to deliver Israel from the hand of Egypt. Moses' response, God is speaking to him about his destiny. But Moses' response is not destiny, it's identity. Who am I that I should go? You will find that God speaks in the language of destiny, but your destiny is the other side of the coin to your identity. When Jesus was in the wilderness, three times the devil tempted him. Didn't tempt him with drugs, didn't tempt him with broads, with girls, didn't tempt him with booze. Three times he tempted him around his identity. If you are the son of God, do this. If you are the son of God, do this. The devil knows if he can take away your identity, he can rob you of your destiny. But here, when Gideon begins to see who he really is, he begins to understand why he really is. Identity and destiny. His name Gideon means warrior one who cuts in pieces is living below that. God will never, God will never call you to be just what you are. God will always call, call you to be who He sees you to be. Can I encourage you in this season, allow the Word of God to come. Allow the, the, the Word of God to begin to speak and draw out. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You are meant to do something significant. You are meant to do something powerful with your life. Let God reveal to you and bring out your identity. Then out of that, you'll begin to discover your purpose. We do this all the time. When, when uh, we introduce ourselves to people, hi, my name's Jürgen. Oh, nice to meet you, Jürgen. What do you do? Even the world has a broken comprehension that your identity and your destiny are linked. That this is who you are and you, who you are is what you do. Oh, this is Joe the plumber. This is Steve the electrician. But can I tell you, don't let the world tell you who you are. You're more than a plumber. You're more than an electrician. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. God has a why for your when. When you were born, God had a reason why. There are no accidents. There are no mistakes with God. However you came into the world, doesn't matter. You may have come in like me. I was, I was conceived out of wedlock. My dad told me I was an accident, but there are no accidents with God. God knew you were coming. He had nine months to prepare and he had a plan and a purpose for your life. The next thing that God will bring out of the season of isolation is He will bring a curse destroyer. A curse destroyer. 
I didn't realize that when I got saved, when I got out of that wine press, when I get out of whining and complaining, how life wasn't fair and life wasn't stacking up and the forces outside of me were greater than the forces in me and all this kind of garbage. When God began to show me that if I would just line up my life with His Word, when I would line up my life with what He said about me, when I would allow God to show me who He saw me to be and then what He had called me to be, all of a sudden I found that I was the curse breaker in my generation, the generational curses of my father, the generational curses of my mother handed down were now were going to stop with me. When we saw those patterns repeated in our children, I knew that I needed to go and I needed to tear down the altars of Baal and the altars of Asherah, that it stops with me. We've seen this again and again. In fact, one of the signatures of God over our church, awakened church, is that every person that gets saved doesn't just get saved and born again. We get them filled with the Holy Ghost. When we get them filled with the Holy Ghost, we begin to fill them with a power. Heaven's power comes into their life and then we equip them with the understanding, the resources and the comprehension that they are called to be curse breakers. You don't have to live with diabetes and heart disease and well, you know, cancer flows in our family. Uncle Bob died of cancer and and my grandmother, you know, she had to have a mastectomy and breast cancer. You don't have to live under the, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You don't have to live according to, to genetic codes passed down. Oh, what are you saying? You can't change your genetic code. Really? Really, Mr. Scientist, you sound so sure. Because let me just tell you this. I was speaking with uh, with a, a clinical uh, neurologist and he was telling me that right now, right now, they can tell within 1% accuracy, 99% correct, if somebody had a relative that went through the Holocaust because the, 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 the genes of trauma are in their system. Don't tell me your past. Don't tell me your background cannot affect your genetic code. When you are born again and you begin to confess, when you have a revelation of Jesus Christ, you better believe your body comes into alignment. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What things are you tolerating? What things are you living with that need to be torn down? Alcoholism, gambling, porn addiction, drug addiction, infidelity, divorce. You don't have to live it. In this time of isolation, understand God will meet you in your isolation. He'll meet you in your wine press. He'll call out your purpose. He'll call out your, your identity. And then from that, He'll call Call out the curse destroyer. Don't live with the dysfunction. Don't let right now, and as you're living in close quarters, you're probably fighting with your spouse. You may be even thinking divorce right now. That's not the answer. It's just the generational dysfunctions that God is wanting you to deal with. Don't ditch your spouse. Ditch the generational dysfunctions. Tear down those altars and wipe them out in Jesus' name. And then the last one, point number four, the last one. What does God bring out of isolation? He brings out a warrior generation. Gideon goes from hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat in a wine press, to becoming a warrior that delivers God's people. I want to prophesy, you are a warrior generation. You are coming out of the wine press. If you will let God meet you in your isolation and begin to show you in His Word who you really are, if you'll then let God show why you really are, your destiny, 
you'll start to tear down the idols and you'll start tearing down the curses, the generational curses. And then from that, you'll find that a warrior will come out because once you start dealing with the past, guess what? That same anointing, that same sword, that same power, that same warrior is gonna go forward and you're gonna begin to blaze trails. You're gonna begin to defeat things and take territories. You're not coming out of this limping. You're not coming out of this struggling. You're gonna come out of this as a mighty warrior. They changed Gideon's name from Gideon, one who cuts in pieces, to Jeroboam. Let the devil plead for his life. I'm telling you that the devil's gonna rue the day that COVID-19 hit America and all these people went into isolation. The unchurched are gonna come out hoping, crossing their fingers, knocking on wood, hoping that life will go back to normal. Not you, not you. You're gonna come out as a warrior generation. You're gonna come out understanding your purpose, understanding your destiny as a curse destroyer and as a territory taker. Let me pray for you. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, friend, right now, you need to do that. On the screen right now, there'll be a way for you to get, for you to respond and give your life to Jesus. We wanna get some resources to you. The most important decision to make is I wanna serve God. If you will give your life to God, He will give you more than your life. Outside of God, you're living, but you don't have a life. When you give your life to God, life comes to you. So Father, I pray for each person right now that is watching this. Lord God, that they go not just out of their wine press, but they grow out of their wine press. If that's you, just say these words out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you that you love me so much. You sent Jesus, your only son, to die on the cross in my place. And when you died, all my sin was forgiven. Today I am a child of God. Heaven is my home. God is my father. And I am his child. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 We love you so much. Again, if you made that decision, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to love on you. Tune in this week. We've got so many great things Uh, happening, so many wonderful things. We want to bless you. We want to help you. You're going to come out of this stronger. Remember, God brings great things out of isolation. God bless you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.